You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to another episode of the Helium Boys podcast, a serious, non-serious USC podcast. I am your main host, for today, Chris Trevino, and as always, I'm joined by my fellow Helium boy, Shotgun Spratling. Shotgun, I am the captain now. I am running <laughs> the show after you took two episodes back-to-back previous weeks. I am now back in charge. Off of running, we go. Shotgun, we are coming up a bye week. This will be a little bit shorter of an episode as we didn't have a game to cover over the weekend. But I still want you to do the two-minute drill because we love this this bit so much so we're going to keep it going so i'm going to give you two minutes and you just have to tell me what are your expectations or what do you want to see as usc goes on their first road game of the season going to tempe to take on arizona state and that'll help lead into our quick arizona state preview because they're really banged up shotgun but we'll get into that but you got two minutes on the clock to let me know what you got on your mind about USC's first road game. First off, I'm excited to see you again this weekend, Chris. You know, I'll be back out in action after a couple games of not being in attendance. I'm ready to get back in, in the stadium, be able to take some pictures, get down a sideline, see what's happening once again. So excited for that. Uh, we're going to be out in Tempe. I'm going to be there on Friday. I don't know why Chris is coming in on Saturday. Terrible decision on his part. Maybe we'll have a meetup on Friday. Uh, but that's the expectation is where's the meetup going to be on Friday because this is a terrible Arizona State team. So the biggest thing I I want to see out of USC is take care of business once again. And that means coming out and playing like it's a home game. I mean, d- don't have any jitters. Don't have anything. I know it's the first road game and some guys is a little bit different, but they should be able to come out. There's not going to be a huge crowd that's going to unnerve them or anything. This is a good warm up. as you then go to Colorado, then you go to Cal, then you go to Oregon, you know, all these road trips that they're going to have later in the season. This is a good warm up right now to get you kind of, you know, just get the juices flowing on the road because it's not going to be a tough opponent. At least it shouldn't be um, with Jaden Rajada out and some of the other injuries that Arizona State has. So go and take care of business. And I'm curious to see, can USC do what they've done the first three weeks and put up points early so that they can get the backups in and get their backups more experience? And we'll see one of the things I am actually curious to see versus a road home is just are there any changes coming out of the bye week? Do we see any guys getting heavier rotations versus not uh, in the mix anymore? Those type of things are the things I'm going to be looking for. I still got 30 seconds, Chris, but for once, I'm going to stop with time on the clock. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Make sure you remember this episode because this is the first time ever Shotgun, I think, has ever yielded his time <laughs> on the Senate floor of this podcast. I'm I'm flabbergasted. And I'm a little shook going into my two-minute drill, so I don't know how I'm going to recover. I don't know. Well, you better figure it out because the clock is about to start. I want to hear your expectations, Chris. I also want to know, what are you interested to see this week in practice coming off the bye week, too? You make a great starting point about we will be reunited 
since uh, the uh, the first game of the season, and I'm excited to see you again. I feel like you're Superman because he needs the sun to drain to keep his power. You need to be on the sideline for games to get your power back. So I hope you're not too weakened, buddy. I need you back out there. <laughs> we'll make sure to get a picture together. And yes, to counter your your point about me coming in on Saturday, I didn't book the tickets. I didn't book the tickets. I like to get in the day before on a trip, unless I'm just doing the uh, the 24 hour come and go but that's besides the point we're going on the road to tempe arizona and you have already mentioned how bad and how banged up this arizona state team is so i don't expect to learn a lot but this is still a great opportunity for this team to go out and dominate show some more just progress with that defense you know don't give i'm actually putting arizona state on shutout watch for this week that's the expectations i have for this defense usc hasn't shut this team out since 19 88 50 to nothing i wonder if how many of our listeners were actually at that game so they're on shutout watch and that's kind of a performance this defense should have against a team that is decimated by injuries and what i'm most interested in this week in practice is just that mentality knowing that they're going on the road game i'm thinking back to when lincoln was talking about having that killer instinct in the post game uh game after stanford and i was looking at caleb williams and we started talking about how you have to be a killer on the road that was Lincoln Riley talking about that Caleb's mood and his face kind of changed he just had this kind of like smile come on his face and then he just started uh, nodding his head along to Lincoln Riley so I think this team is excited to go on the road again it's not going to be the toughest road test but I really want to see and it seems like they're going to embrace that they're going to kind of be a quote-unquote villain on the road again Arizona State not that good but it's going to be a good warm-up for some very heavy road games they're going to have to face throughout the rest of the season boom oh was what i think it was one second over I hit, so chris i no, I, I hit it Uh-oh. no i hit it i said boom on two <laughs> check the clock no one is here to actually check the clock but i hit it on two i'm just excited to see this team play in a road atmosphere even though we're not expecting like the greatest road atmosphere but still i want to see it yeah, and you mentioned what Lincoln Riley said at, in the post game. He talked on Trojans Live this week a little bit about you know going on the road, his expectations, and you know he said you're going to get the very best, you're going to get the best crowd, you're going to get all that. Maybe not necessarily this week because I think Arizona State may play better later in the season. Jaden Rashada gets back, and you know they've got some talent, um, but it, it you know if some guys get healthy, maybe they play a little better, and maybe a, a win against them looks a little better at the end of the year than what we think it is now. If they get some guys healthy, again, that's a big question mark. Um, But he, again, mentioned that. He said, you've got to embrace being the villain a little bit. And he said they showed the team that the home team wins 70% of the time um, in college football. So he said there's reasons why for that, you know, from the travel, from different things. He said the difference between a good team and an elite team is the ability to find a way to go on the road and win. He said good teams, you know, they'll win their games at home, but then, hey, they're going to drop a couple games here and there on the road where the elite teams is they find a way to go on the road and get those wins. So we'll see if USC is truly an elite team, you know, the next couple weeks against inferior teams talent-wise and depth-wise, but you still got to take care of business. Still got to take care of business, and this is obviously a good warm-up, as you called it, to get ready for what should be a rocking home environment for Colorado. But we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. They still have to focus on the Sun Devils. So let's just get into the Sun Devils really quickly. I I know you like the way I said Sun Devils there. That came out weird, Sun Devils. (laughs) But the Sun Devils, and I mentioned for the Nevada game that this that might be the biggest point differential for the year. 
Well, shotgun, it might actually be Arizona State based on the way they have just been completely obliterated by injuries. We're talking about, as you mentioned, Jaden Rashada, their star freshman. He's been out. He he got he did not play last week against Fresno State in their loss, 29 to 0. He's going to be out four to six weeks per Kenny Dillingham. Trent, Trenton Borgo, the backup, he left the game when his knee buckled in the first half. So they went to Drew Pine, the Notre Dame transfer. And then he left the game with a muscle injury, an injury that's been described as a muscle injury after four, I believe, four turnovers in that game. And then they were down to their fourth QB, Jacob Conover, who also threw two picks in his playing time. So if Borgo and Pine, and we know Rashad is out, if they're all three out, Conover is the last scholarship quarterback that is on the team. They have a backup, 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 walk-on freshman named uh, Hunter Herrera out of Citrus Valley. I believe he is actually the younger brother of a player I used to cover when I was in Redlands East Valley, the sports editor for the Redlands Daily Facts. Uh, Armando Herrera, who actually won a state championship with Rev. I, I think they're they're brothers. So that'd be an interesting connection. So he might actually be the number two. And there's a point where he was actually warming up to go into the game, but never actually entered. But just from a quarterback position, they are absolutely devastated uh, shotgun. Yeah, this reminds me of Maryland, actually. You know, Chris. Oh, yeah. Don't, 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 don't get me started. I know I saw somebody uh, tweet out like, I can't remember a situation that's ever happened like this. And I was going to be like, oh, I can tell you when this happened. This was 2012, Maryland. We lost all four. It was four or five of our starting or our quarterbacks, all of them wiped out. So we turned to a linebacker, a freshman linebacker who had played quarterback in high school. And we had him start the final four games of the year. Sean Petty, shout out to Sean Petty. Final four games of the year, we starting at linebacker. That's how devastated we were by the the. We were cursed, Shaka. We were cursed. <laughs> yeah, and th- this is the the thing. Um, you look at Colorado, and they're already experiencing some depth issues as well. I mean, you lose Travis Hunter; that's a huge one. Um, they've also, I think, they're starting uh, center is going to be supposed to be out this week against o- uh, Oregon as well. And then also Arizona State, this is the danger when you go into the transfer portal and you try to completely overhaul a roster is that you're not going to be able to get, you know, 40 guys that are first and second team ready. So you're getting guys, and they might be talented guys, and you may go and get some freshmen like Monty McLean at, uh, you know, for Colorado, but is he ready to step in and play immediately? He hasn't played yet, and that's kind of the thing. You're like, now, well, with Travis Hunter out, he's a guy that needs to be able to step up. So you're going to rely on freshmen. You're going to rely on guys that don't have a ton of experience when you go get them out of the transfer portal because you can't get – you know, you're not getting 40 guys that are experienced guys coming in. You might get 40 transfers, but, you know, those may be some first-year guys that haven't proven themselves or whatnot. Um, So you're not getting first- and second-team quality guys immediately. Now they may become those guys for you. So that's the big danger when you overhaul a roster like this, and USC saw it last year. You know, they had some linebackers, but – when push came to sub, when they had a, cu- a couple of injuries there, they you know really were devastated by those injuries at the linebacker position with Eric Gentry and then with Shane Lee and Raylan Goforth both having to play injured. So we've seen it at USC. Now you're seeing it, I think, at, at Colorado and Arizona State a little bit too in the in this position. But Colorado State is kind of on a different level. One, it's one in one position got attacked. That's that's you know it's terrible to see three quarterbacks go out like that. But it's not just the quarterbacks. 
they have three offensive linemen that are down. Uh, DeCarlos Brooks, who was a Cal transfer, uh, who I really like coming out of high school. He's, uh, I think it was their backup running back. He's out there tight end, Jalen Connors, who's supposed to be, you know, a dude for them. He's been out. So, you know, actually four offensive linemen, two tackles, two interior offensive linemen, including Cal transfer Ben Coleman. Um, you know, they've, they've just been having a number of injuries all over, especially on the offensive side, and their offense has been absolutely atrocious so far. When you're on your four-string quarterback, it's usually going to be atrocious, but then when you lose, you know, a tight end over the middle that can be a reliable safety blanket, when you lose a key running back, when you lose a wide receiver, Jordan Tyson. So uh, that's really stood out to them. If you look, I mean, the turnovers were incredible. They had eight turnovers. They only gave up 15 points off those turnovers. So, Chris, their defense has played pretty solid. But, you know, if, if your offense can't score any points, then, you know, you're not going to be able to win any game. So, you know, I was looking at the stats, and I, I think I think it's their 23rd nationally in run defi- defense and 34th overall in total defense. So their defense could give USC some challenges. However, the question will be, can the offense put any points on the board? So I, I think that definitely plays the USC strengths where, you know, the offense is the, you know, will should be able to run through anyone, even a, a quality years on the state. And they've had some a couple injuries on the defense side. They had Shamari Simmons, who is supposed to be inactive for the game on Saturday and actually suited up and ended up playing. So, you know, maybe they're getting a little bit more healthy on that. And you hope everybody gets help, healthy. You know, you hate to see teams playing without their star players, without key players. Um, but I think USC can definitely take advantage of the players that are out in this game. And it starts with that quarterback position, like you talked about. Right. And just, it just double, I'm not even saying this right, but like the double jeopardy of having uh, your quarterback position decimated and then also having your offensive line position decimated. So you can't even throw the ball and lead the offense. And then even if you have somebody down there, you can't even block for them. It's just, it's really bad for them on the offensive line. I think Dylan, Dylan, uh, Kenny Dillingham actually said they were actually worried about not having enough offensive linemen to run a scout offense. That's, that's how dire it is for them. And yeah, they actually had two of their reserve guys leave the game on Saturday against Fresno state with injury just to add oh, wow. more guys. They had, had five guys out to start that game, including their starting right tackle who broke his leg on the first drive of uh, the Oklahoma state game. So it's just been all kinds of bad news for them. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of, before the season started, I kind of looked at Arizona state as like, you know, maybe a scrappy team that could give USC some trouble just because, you know, they got a rejuvenated head coach and talented freshman quarterback, but yeah, just, just, you, you never want to have this be, you know, considered an easy week because of injuries. You never want to go into a game and just have the opponent opponent just like, can't really put up a fight just because they've been so decimated by injuries, but I I agree with what you said uh, earlier, how by the end of the season, this win could look a lot better, and I think Arizona State is a lot more talented than than they're going to show in the first half, just because of these injuries. I think they have some talented weapons, and like you said, their defense is pretty scrappy. They have played incredibly well, despite being handed an offense that just keeps giving the ball back to the other Team, eight turnovers in one game, nine on the year. So they had one turnover the first two weeks, and then they exploded for eight. And they're one of the one of six teams, I believe, in the country that actually does not have a turnover yet. So it's a very, very uh, weird turnover margin for them. But yeah, the defense is scrappy, but I don't think, even if they are scrappy, it's not going to be enough to really hold down this USC offense. And I would expect the USC to crack them early 
and crack them big and get some points up and then, you know, get those backups in there for uh, some, some extended playing time in the second half. Yeah. The USC should be able to dominate this game. Now, can you go and take care of business? That's the big thing that I want to see, you know, is you know what the opponent you're going to face is. There are some, some solid players on that defensive side, but you got to just go and demolish them, you know, put them out of their misery early, similar to what they did to Stanford. And then you want to see, all right, now can your second string guys, can they do better than they did last week? I think that would be a big question for USC too. If you, if you control a game early, like they did against Stanford, do you sit at 49 points for, you know, nearly the entire second half until there's three minutes left? Or can you go out and put some points up again um, and can the defense hold and you get some more rotation? Because they're, they're, while there has been rotation on the defensive side, it's been a, a core group of guys um, until the very, very end. Even when they're mixing and matching and doing a ton of that. But when they get, you know, in the second half of those games, you're still playing seven to eight starters out there and or guys that are primary guys you're playing 10 eight nine ten guys that are primary guys maybe one or two young guys kind of mixed in there until the very end so you would like to steal okay can you get some more opportunities for elijah hughes and Braylon shelby and guys like that they're just outside of that primary rotation that maybe hey they're on the fringe and maybe even they've earned their way into being in that primary rotation from what they did in the bye week. That's still a possibility too. But a guy like Braylon Shelby, who is in on a specific uh, sub package or Zion branch who was in on a sub package in that, um, the Nevada game, you know, those type of guys have, can you get them enough opportunities where they can continue to progress as the season goes along? And that's how, you know, eventually those guys get to push the starters and Hey, you do have an injury. That's your second string guy or your third string guy can step up and make a play for you rather than being like, Oh no, we're down to our third string guy. It's all over here for him here. So um, it'll be interesting to see if they can continue to develop those guys and see if some of those guys have made that jump uh, over the bye week. Cause that's what that bye week is often for is to see who can get into, you know, who can, push themselves into a rotation spot or, you know, can solidify themselves as a starter versus a, you know, rotation spot. And I'm another one. One thing I am curious about is where is Jacoby Covington going to fit in this week? Is he back healthy? If he didn't dress, it was kind of a surprise that he didn't dress um, on Saturday against uh, Stanford. Um, but, you know, Lincoln Riley actually didn't mention him before that in his Trojan Live talk before the Stanford game. So that was kind of strange, or maybe it was the, the Thursday before when he was asked about the secondary and rotations there. So I'm, that's one one position where I am going to keep an eye on and want to see what rotations are going on there and where he actually fits in that mix. Go back to your point about, you know, getting them further along, develop them further. It's like getting into a really cold pool shotgun. You know, you put in your feet first and you get those warmed up and then you slowly go up to your knees then you slowly go up to your waist and then you slowly go up to your chest then you get all the way in through the pool these these freshmen they're only up to their ankles right now you gotta gotta get them in there a little bit further a little more comfortable to be to be out there and make some plays in the pool shotgun so i, I got a question for you chris are you an inch oh, no. yourself in guy at the pool i i just go straight for it i can't do the inch i don't like the ocean when you know, you slowly walk out and it just uh, starts creeping up your leg, especially if it's the Pacific Ocean, it's cold water. I, I just got to dive straight in. So depending on, you know, if I got a hat on or sunglasses, I just want to get my feet wet. Now suddenly I'm like cold in the ocean. I don't like it. That's why in the pool, I'm just stripping down. I'm going straight for a big cannonball off the off the rip. And then, you know, you're fully submerged, you're ready to go. Well, when we would do swim practices in the morning, you can't 
you can't baby getting in. You just have to go, you know, 7 a.m. practices in the summer. You just got to jump in. You just got to get it over with. But I do tend to inch my way. And if I'm just going for a casual like pool swim, but if it's like super hot, it's like 98, 90 plus borderline 100. I'm jumping in that bad boy because you feel so good at, at the end of the day. So I do tend to inch in, but I, I have been known to jump in when when the, the moment calls for it. Straight down. Ice tub in high school, straight down. Oh, I'm not, do that. I've not wait, that. waiting at all. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like a, on the pommel horse in gymnastics. I got my hands on a thing. As soon as I put my feet in, everything needs to go in the water. I fully submerge and just get the whole shock of the system. Yeah. Shock of the system for shotgun. I love it. I love it. Shotgun. Is there anything else you want to add about Arizona state? We will get that score prediction at the end before we go into the most informal stock up stock down we've ever done. Um, the, the one interesting player from Arizona state that I kind of want to see, um, you know, they have a couple of defenders, BJ green, Demetrius Ford are two guys that have graded out pretty well. Deshaun Mallory has made some plays up front for him in the front, but I kind of want to see, you know, there's two guys actually, you know, I want to see Mason Williams. He hasn't played a ton, but you know, younger brother of Max Williams and Marcellus Williams will be in the building. I'm sure, um, if his Bosco schedule allows it. But, you know, you'll have all three of the Williams brothers and potentially having them play against each other. Max and Mason is, is fun. But I want to see Kayla McCullough. I don't know if you remember him from Oxnard Pacifica, yeah, USC, Target. And I really liked him um, and coming out of high school. I went and saw him a couple times at Oxnard Pacifica. I liked him and I liked Malik Sherrod, who ended up going to Fresno State and had a, a you know was had a really nice career up there for them. Um, you know, so I, I'm curious to see where he is in his development and whatnot and see what he kind of looks like, you know, haven't, having not seen him the last couple of years. So that's one I kind of want to see, uh, on the, on the defensive side for Arizona state. And then two like little counter or additional points, like you said, Mason Williams, the brother of Max Williams plays there as well. And then this will be the return the first return of, uh, Eric Gentry and Eddie Chaplitsky, mm-hmm. the two Arizona state transfers, their return to Tempe to face Arizona State for the first time on the road. This is obviously Eric's second game against his old team, but first one for for Eddie. So yeah. nice and, little homecoming. And we'll see uh, what the, the welcoming is for um, Christian Roland Wallace, who was suspended for the first True. half of that Nevada True. game because he was involved in a fracas, I guess you want if we want to call it that, uh, between – Arizona State and Arizona in the Territorial Cup at the end of last season. So with those three Arizona transfers for USC, you know, I'm sure they'll be wanting to play Arizona State a little bit more as well. And also long, long, long time ago, but Arizona State has a former USC commit in Melquan Stovall. If you remember that name, Chris. That's the name. That's the name. I do remember that name. I believe that he was committed to USC because there's two Stovalls. There's Melquise and Melquan, and I believe it was Melquan that was committed to USC. Uh, but that was a long time ago. Um, he, he's had a bounce around in his career. So, um, you know, from Nevada, Colorado State, now at Arizona State for him. And I think he actually got hurt in that Fresno State game. So we'll see if he's available for Arizona State as well. We'll just assume everyone that played in that game got hurt in the Fresno State game. How about we do that? <laughs> Moving on to our stocks. And again, this is the bye week episode or the episode coming off the bye week. So we don't have official stock down, stock up. If, if you think about it, shotgun, everything is stock neutral because USC didn't play in a game. So this whole thing. It means stock the stock neutral. is, is unchanged, 
Chris. Yeah, not it's neutral. neutral. It's not. It's, it's unchanged. Not it hasn't hasn't unchanged. moved anywhere. I'm gonna mute you now. It hasn't done anything. Unchanged. So, if you had anything you want to say, again, we're not going to use this opportunity to talk about other schools, really. You know, we're not getting into a detailed breakdown of Alabama or Washington or anything like that. But I did have a stock on parity in 2023 because I tweeted this out watching. Obviously, we got to see a lot more games than we usually do on a, on a game day that we were covering. But just got to see a lot of teams, top teams. And you didn't you don't feel like there's any and i use the term world breaker teams in 2023 you feel like it's very much wide open for any of the good teams to go develop progress and peak at the right time to go ahead and win a national championship there is no team that is overpowering to anybody like we've seen in the past like a like a lsu joe burrow team or last year's georgia team and someone asked me well is it what about georgia isn't georgia a world breaker like no they are breaking in a new quarterback a young guy he still has to get wet behind the ears they will grow maybe the closest you can point out is maybe michigan but now there's already reports about uh harbaugh being targeted for the chargers job so that's going to throw a whack into their <laughs> locker room they can they can survive that because the nfl always comes calling uh for mr harbaugh so you'll have to survive those kind of rumors and nfl talk around there florida state looked very human over the weekend. So there's a lot of things going on around other teams that they have all these warts on them. No one has the perfect, perfect team to win a natty this year, but there's a lot of teams that could win the national title. And USC is obviously one of them when you have the best player in college football. So that should make fans very, very excited, but it also is going to up, up increase their anxiety shotgun because they know <laughs> it's wide open. They know this is their chance. That defense has to come together. The O-line has to stay healthy. Caleb Williams has to stay healthy. And if they all that happens, they have a shot to win a national championship. That was my one of my big takeaways is that it's wide open for the Natty Rays shotgun. Yeah, I remember last year there was debate among USC fans like, hey, do we want to actually make the playoff and get potentially blown out versus not making it and have a successful run and be right on the outside um, and be looking in? That was, that was a debate on the P at one point. And the thing is, you always want to make it. Even if you're TCU and you get blown out, you at least had that win over Michigan. And, you know, you can use that in the offseason for recruiting. You can use it for a bunch of different things. But that's a different aside. This season, there isn't that. You know, you go, we get into the college football playoff, anything can happen. And I, quote, retweeted you when you tweeted that out and said, I think it's going to be the team that progresses the most, as whichever team progresses the most is the team that will that will win. Um, and... Some people were like, oh, of course. Yeah, duh. Like, no, I'm t- I mean, there's no dominant team like that LSU borough team where you're just like, yeah, you you're not doing anything with that. It doesn't matter how good your defense is, they're running all over you. And you look at the athletes and what they're doing in the NFL, and that tells you why. And same thing with Georgia's defense, probably more two years ago than last year. You're just like, that defense is shutting down anybody, it feels like. Now, there were some great games along the way in that college football playoff uh, both the last two years, but it definitely felt like there were dominant teams that were going to be the team to win at the end, and it proved to be in 2019 with Burrow and you know last couple of years with Georgia. It played out that way. Now, Georgia had a couple scares along the way, but nothing that like, oh, rock the boat, this team isn't you know what they are. And th- so far, they've had a couple scares, but they still can run the ball. 
and they still played good defense. Now, South Carolina thought it had a really good game plan early and, you know, scored on them and made it look pretty easy early in the game. But then Georgia made the adjustments, and that shows the strength of that coaching staff to make the adjustments and, you know, be able to shut down Spencer Rattler and that offense the rest of the way in that game. So Georgia's still the front runner in that regard, but I think it will come down to who progresses the most. Can Georgia – if they get a couple injuries on the offense line or something, now Carson Beck is forced to throw the ball more. Like, you know, those type of things, their offense is at times looks atrocious. Like, they're just – like, they need to run more tempo. Like, and you said we weren't going to get into breakdowns, but because I watched most of that game, now I feel like, um, you know, and I'm texting back and forth with some Georgia fans back home in, uh, in Georgia – like you feel like use your athletes and do different things uh, in that game. Then you watch, you know, you watch some of the other games and like you see, like you said, there's warts on every team. So which team is going to get better as the season goes along? USC, you can look at them and say, ah, I still don't know about this defense. Can they get better as the season goes along? If that defense improves throughout the season and is, doesn't have to be elite, but can you be formidable? If you can be formidable, then the offense on the other side has, has been so electric and so dominant that you think right, if you're formidable, you, you you at least got a chance at minimum, and you probably got a damn good chance, you know, with the way Caleb Williams is playing. So I think Dan Weber, you know, laid that out pretty well in his column uh, on Caleb Williams today, uh, just how good he has been and, you know, how much confidence you feel in Caleb Williams and the offense that if the defense could just be – do enough, you know, then you feel like USC. Now the question is, can they get better as the season goes along to do that? And that's where you need Braylon Shelby. That's where you need Rajon Davis, Zion Branch, these talented younger guys that aren't experienced to continue getting better, that they can be in a position to potentially push somebody for a starting role, to take over a starting role, to be there when there's an injury. Those type of things, like if they're ready to go and, hey, now you got a talented four- or five-star guy coming off the bench or is stepping up in the second half of the season and making an impact, suddenly you know, you're know you that much more uh, – you can do that many more things if you're Alex Grinch. So I, I, think that, yeah, I think I completely agree with you, but I think it's all about who's going to get better as the season goes along. It's not about holding plateau. It's about who gets better. Right now, you could say there's, what, eight to ten teams probably – they could win a national championship, eight to 10 teams. I feel like they're somewhere in there. But at the end of the season, are you going to feel that way? You know, regardless of the results, like if you're looking at, uh, you know, the wins or losses, you're just looking at how teams play in the last three games of the season. Are you going to look at it and be like, all right, there's eight to 10 teams that are national championship caliber? Probably not. You're going to look at it and there's going to be three to four teams that you feel like you're in the mix. And, hey, it, then, then the question is, like, you're going to feel like there's three or four maybe and maybe there's a couple more teams you're like, well, they deserve it, but are they playing like a national, you know, that that type of, that conversation will come up. Um, so can USC be one of those teams at the end of the season where they've gone through the gauntlet and you go, even if they've dropped a game in there, or maybe even if they've dropped two, you look at it and you go, it doesn't matter. Look at the way they play. And hey, th- this ball didn't bounce the right way here or there, but like this team can win a national championship if they get in, and they get a chance, and that that's what you're going to be looking for, especially on the defensive side with USC, is that progression throughout the rest of the season. I know there was a couple of USC fans who replied to that tweet about no world breaker teams, and some of them were like, "What about USC? Oh, there's one USC." And look, USC, I will admit, has a world breaker offense. 
but that does not make them a world breaker team. It's not a team. It is an offense. World breaker offense, not a world breaker team. You need the whole team to be able to win a national championship. And the defense still has to show us and prove something to us that they can be a formidable defense and part of a, and, and complement that world breaker offense. Again, they don't need to be a world breaker defense. They just need to be a formidable one. Like you pointed out and made a great point there. And I will say uh, shotgun Georgia's offense looks like USC's offense. When you compare it to Alabama's offense. <laughs> I didn't watch much I mean, of that, that game. I didn't watch much of that game. Orlando's? Yeah. I guess the fighting Todd Orlando's of USF, because as you pointed out, you said, is this, is this game brought to us by huddle? Like it looks like huddle tape because they had taken all the cameras off the field. You, broke up their did... shotgun. you gotta sit, you gotta sit it again. You broke up. It looked like the huddle film, you know, that yes. you wondered if it was sponsored by huddle because of the, the views that they were giving you. And this is something that happened a couple, you know, I think last week with the Virginia tech, Virginia games, like ESPN will just pull their cameraman off the field. If there's lightning in the area, they're not risking their employees. And that, it's understandable, especially for an Alabama-South Florida game that should be 49-3, but instead it was 10-3, to and you're like, i got to tune in and see what's going on here. But it was very difficult to see everything because you're watching all 22 action, um, and which is perfectly fine. I love watching all 22 when I know who all the players are and what I'm looking for, like when I'm watching USC versus, you know, I haven't seen Alabama play because they were playing at the same time as USC um, in the Stanford game when they are playing against uh, against Texas, excuse me, and I have, obviously haven't seen any of South Florida so far this season. But yeah, it was it was fun on Saturday to be able to watch so much football, and I have you know four screens going at once, or uh, you know trying to watch as many things as I could and check out. Uh, so you know, watched a lot of the Arizona State game in one corner of a, the the screen. I watched a lot of the Colorado Colorado State game in and out of different games and whatnot. But it was definitely fun. So I got to stock up on being able to just watch and enjoy football for for a day. Um, that's my stock up for this week, Chris. Um, are we allowed to tell your when you went head to head with Todd Orlando? Are we allowed to talk about that story? <laughs> if you want, <laughs> this is how that? I remember it. If you remember the the twenty twenty one season, it was twenty twenty one, right? Am I? Yes. Yes, twenty twenty one season. USC get whooped by everyone. Everyone was getting their historic point totals in the Coliseum, getting their first win in 90 years against USC in the Coliseum. Didn't matter. USC's defense was giving up to everybody. And this was this was back when we could just grab players and coaches as they walked up the tunnel Coliseum. And you could kind of, you know, their right to say no, their right to say yes, whatever. And I forget what the game was. I honestly don't know. Maybe you remember. But it was a, I want to say it was Oregon State, but that's just me. Um, it was a bad whoop. It was it was a bad whooping. Could at be home. right. And but at this point, the defensive coaching staff and Orlando were not talking after games. They were avoiding talking after games. And this was a point of frustration, obviously, with the media because obviously the defense wasn't getting it done. And Todd Orlando had declined. Once again, to talk after this game again, I do not remember which one, but it was a bad loss. A lot of points given up. And then I don't remember how it actually went, but you said, coach, come on, you know, we want to talk to you. And he said, we're not going to do that here. We're not going to do that here. (laughs) And you countered back with, well, you're not talking and 
this is paraphrasing, but you're not talking to us. So the players, i.e. the kids, are having to answer for the defensive miscues and mistakes, and they're taking accountability. So it's like, why aren't you talking to us and taking accountability? And that kind of like jolted him, and he was like, okay, let's go. Let's talk. And so that's how I remember. And then you got him to to talk, albeit briefly, because it was only like three or four questions, and then he was off. Yeah, and and it wasn't necessarily it wasn't intended to be confrontational. It may have come off that way. I think Chris uh, viewed it much uh, differently in that regard than I did, um, and I think some people viewed it that way. But it was basically like you know the coaches are there, and a lot of times, especially during that era, the coaches would leave and exit the opposite way of the players. I don't know if this was on purpose to the to avoid walking by the media. Or if it was just, hey, their family waits in the stadium or whatever. I don't know. But some of the coaches would walk by and, you know, we want to talk to the coach. We always want to talk to the offensive and defense coordinator. I believe Graham Harrell had already spoke at this point. And whichever game it was, whether it was Stanford or Oregon State, like you said, it was the, the defense had struggled. Um, and it was, you know, he's walking by and Tay Ty, can we talk to you? No, we're not. And, and I was – and he was like, we're not going to do this. And I was just like, you're not going to speak, but you're going to make, you know, you're going to have all these 17 to 20 year olds speaking. And, you know, I think jolted is a good word. He, he you know, took it. And I really appreciate that. He said he was, yeah, you kind of see the light bulb go off and says like, you're right. I need to talk about this. And it was probably a minute and a half or two minutes. It was super short. And I think I asked all the questions. Um, the rest of the media just kind of swarmed around. Uh, but you know, I I really respected him stopping and doing it because even mm-hmm. though it may have come off as confrontational, because I've had those type of things happen with coaches where usually they realize like they're pissed off and understandably, you know, when they're struggling and they're not getting their job done, and someone wants to talk to you, you don't necessarily want to talk to them. But it is also a part of your responsibility as a coach, in my opinion, to then talk to the media afterwards. Now, if you're your player and you don't want to speak, I understand that unless. Mm-hmm. The exception is if you're a captain, you've been voted to represent the team and the captains are, you know, if you're the quarterback, you're probably going to have to speak and you're probably going to be a captain anyways. So if you struggle in a game and your team loses, especially, then you probably should still speak to the media. And I know that's tough for, for a college kid, but that's part of being a quarterback, in my opinion, part of being a captain. So those are the two exceptions, you know, and I, respect the hell out of the players that speak after a you know something happens i still respect ronald johnson one of the most devastating plays that could happen against notre dame he drops a ball that probably would have been a touchdown for mitch mustaine it's in the rain you know there could be plenty of excuses it was a wet ball all this type stuff he slipped whatever it may be but he stood up and talked to the media afterward you could see the pain in his face talking about it but he was, you know, stepped up like a man and said, you know, it's my fault. I didn't catch the ball. I should have caught it. And, you know, I think he was painted in a very friendly light after that by the media because you saw how much it hurt him that he didn't make that play. Whereas if you come out of the locker room, you're smiling and laughing or something after a game and you don't want to speak to the media, then, you know, you may get something else written about you because you have given off the appearance that you do not care. Now, whether you care, and that's how you deal with it. That may be one thing. But if you don't 
provide your words behind it. It makes it that much more difficult for someone not to make jump to that conclusion, which I tried to tell people not to do and try not to do myself, but it makes it that much more difficult because as humans, we always try to connect two ends uh, to put them together. So that was one of the stories, you know, or that was one of the the times where, you know, it, it, it seemed more confrontational, I think, than I thought it was at the time. There's been other times when I've talked to coaches, you know, on baseball or whatever, where I, you know, I, I'm like, whoa, that was, that seemed a little bit harsh. And then I go back and listen to the recording and I'm like, oh, that actually wasn't like, they just answer your questions. You took it a different way. So I don't know. It, perception can be, can be in, in each person's um, or opinions can be in every, each person's perception of, of an event that happened. So. We're just two dogs going at it. Shotgun. That's what it was. <laughs> and I, I just want to be on record. That I wasn't trying to trash Todd Orlando. I actually really liked coach Orlando. I thought, he was a good coach, obviously. It didn't show up with the product on the field for USC, but there were so many other issues. But I actually think he's a good coach, and you know he's a smart coach, but obviously did not work out. And I did want to say because you mentioned you know players that would talk to us, we always do appreciate that. And I just want to shout out you know uh, center Brett Nealon and defensive lineman Nick Figueroa, who would always talk to us after games and always gave us good quotes and took the time to you know talk to us, even though there was so much frustration on their faces and you know about all this losing that was going on so they, they were kind of the mvps of those interviews at the end of games and what was a really really tough season to cover just from a interview standpoint of like it's just a loss every every week but you know now we're talking about you know usc has a chance to go for a national championship it's just a wild you know transition from where we are where we started to where we are now yeah and which for us makes us more excited for those two guys in particular that last year was such a good season for USC. And, you know, they were able to turn things around. They were able to be a part of it because, you know, we saw the pain on their face and saw the hurt in their eyes when you're losing four and you're going four and eight. So to go 11 and three the next season, like you like to see, you get to see the joy of those guys and you you feel much better about seeing those guys uh, being able to have that experience. But just still ended on a really painful note, Chucka. Just a real, still painful note. You wish you, they could have some of those guys who went through all that the years prior to be able to get a Pac-12 championship, or you know, to get a Cotton Bowl win out there in the end. So just still a little bit of pain, not a little bit, but a lot of pain. How those the guys ended their their USC careers. But you know, yes, able to go out and what was an exciting season to say the least. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, and, and they get to feel like they were the building blocks too. I mean, I think that's the other thing is they will, you know, if, if USC does win a national championship, I bet you those guys will be there in some form or fashion uh, at the, at the game uh, to help celebrate or whatever it may be. And, you know, I, I wouldn't doubt that the coaches would let them come into the locker room and be a part of it too and whatnot. That's the kind of things that happens with college football. You build the, the building blocks and you're only allowed to be there for, now up to six years, sometimes seven with some medical red shirts, but usually only four years. So, but you know, you build the building blocks and you move on, and then you get to be a fan uh, the rest of the time. Unlike the NFL, where you can be, you know, a player in the same team for twenty years or whatever. Talking any more stock up, stock downs, stocks, whatever. Before we move on to a lot of questions, uh, do not have anything. I did look up the Todd Orlando to find the game. It was. Against Oregon State, they gave up 45 points in there. The most the Beavers had ever scored against USC in more than 100 years, the two teams that played. Are you, are you confirming that it was Oregon State or are you just looking up? No, I confirmed that. it is Oregon State because I can tell from the video 
which uh which game it was as far as my positioning i remember it, yeah. where i was huh. <laughs> i was just saying because you just went up and analyzed it you were like i know he's a savant with his media interviews he's like i know exactly uh what happened when this happened so yeah yeah you could probably go find that video on our youtube channel uh for how long was it uh let's see one minute and three seconds so it did let's like go, I said, baby. it did not last very long i asked every single question i think there were four probably USC defense coordinator Todd Orlando says they didn't get it done in Oregon State loss, I think is the title. So if you want to check it out, you can check it out. Well, we're getting it done here on this episode of the Helium Boys podcast. Shotgun, why don't we take a quick break and then we'll come back and get some questions in. How's that sound? Sounds like a plan. All right. We'll be right back after these messages. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, Shotgun, we're back in action. I forgot to tell you that I actually listened to the intro music that you have for this show, and I like it. It's snazzy. You told me you made that with AI? Yeah, I made that, actually. So the intro music, if you guys listen to it, I actually made that little clip. Uh, look at me. I'm a, I'm a producer now, Chris. I get, I'm a music producer, Grammy, <laughs> Grammy-nominated producer, podcast host. It's all coming together, Shotgun. We have... A lot I'm, of sure, I'm sure there's some people that are listening to this who are like, that's that's terrible. I would never listen to this. You mean like, like an actual movie producers? Like, how dare you use AI? <laughs> how dare you? How hey, dare you? Uh, hey, get, get your stuff together, Hollywood. Let's get this strike over with. Yeah, let's get this strike Chris over with. Chris wants to watch some new TV. I mean, I have old TV to watch, but yeah. I let, don't really let's, watch let's anything, so up. I don't care. But yeah. for I everyone know. else's sake, because I, I know a lot of writers and stuff, let's get it done. Let's get it done. Shotgun, we are being bad writers, and we have actually had other people writing questions for us. We're we're outsourcing content from the from the viewers, the listeners. Whoa, whoa, whoa Chris, you're you're selling this wrong. We are we are for the people. So we're for the people. We want to answer the people's questions. We want to know what they want to hear about. Right. What he said. What he said, but better. Podcast for and the people. Podcast for the people, but 
actually our official tagline is a serious not serious uc podcast but <laughs> hashtag for the people is part of it I like as it. well so shotgun let's get into some questions since i'm hosting i will be leading off with the question our first one comes from damian draco hypothetical question let's say lincoln riley leaves next year and you are asked to hiring his replacement the catch is you are only allowed to hire a usc coach rank order from best to worst options you want to take over the program kiff sark ed orgeron justin wilcox pete carroll or cliff kingsbury Interesting question here. Hypothetical question, Shotgun. I, I, I hate hypothetical questions. Um, I know. I know. I noticed that there's no Helton on this list. Oh, that's interesting. That's um, interesting. I wonder why. It's interesting. That's but this is, interesting. A, this, is, this is a fun question. Um, you know, if Lincoln Riley leaves, whenever it is, and, you know, these were the options, who would you pick? I mean, I, Chris, I don't know about you, but you got to go with Pete Carroll first, right? I mean, yeah, that's the obvious one looking at it. I think you have to go with Pete Carroll. But I also love that Cliff Kingsbury technically meets the uh, the criteria to be on this list, even though he was a, co- a USC coach for like 10 days. It still counts. He's on the staff now. Uh, oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Did you forget about that? I forgot about it briefly. I will I will man up. I will be Todd Orlando and hold myself accountable that I didn't get it done and I forgot he was on the uh, the roster. You'll remember on Tuesday when uh, he comes smoldering out of the locker room to walk by to go to practice. Not because uh, of the 100 degree heat though in Arizona. Yeah. Uh so obviously Pete Carroll's number 1. I think we everyone would agree on that. You know, as long as he's healthy and still coaching, you would want him. He's a national championship winning coach. None of these other guys have fit that bill. Well, I take it, take it back. Ed Orgeron has fit that bill which probably would put him second. Though I think I'd still go with Lane Kiffin. I think Lane, a mature Lane Kiffin, and notwithstanding this lawsuit that's going on or whatnot, uh, but um, a more mature Lane Kiffin than when he was at USC previously, I think can win at USC. Um, and you know the fact that he went through the sanctions, 30, tra- I mean, 30 scholarships, did some really smart things to try to move the numbers around, to try to be able to uh, uh, attack that. But, you know, the death became a big issue for him. Um, and so I think he could potentially win uh, at USC. So he'd probably be my second number two. And then the debate becomes Sark or Ed Orgeron. You know, Ed Orgeron, I don't think I'm going to ever pick against him just because of the bellowingness. So I would go Ed Orgeron and Sark. And then I would go with, so who's last, Cliff Kingsbury or Justin Wilcox? I, I think think i would go with cliff kingsbury i'm out i got an offensive mind you know i was a former receiver in we high know school, this. We know so this. I'll, I'll take cliff kingsbury and then justin wilcox will be at the end though i would love yeah, to pretty... see what justin wilcox could do with actual resources i mean the fact that cal is competitive every single year and they have absolutely no support from that university you know it makes you wonder like you know he's been successful everywhere he's been outside of the years at usc and so, you know, the fact that he is hanging competitively at, at Cal makes me, again, makes it so baffling that he didn't take the Oregon job when it sounds like he was offered that one um, previously. Just because if you're not being supported by your administration, by your school, like it, it's you can't win. You just can't like you, you can't 
you can't do major league and like go against the owner. Like it doesn't work that way in college athletics. If you don't have support, you can't win. I know that there would be a lot of USC fans that would take a Justin Wilcox defense with True. this, uh, with this Lincoln rally offense. I know like they'd be like, yes, yes, please. Let's take that. And again, let's see how this Alex Grinch 2023 defense shapes up. But I know a lot of people like what they've seen out of Justin Wilcox always plays hard. And they're very competitive on the defensive end for uh, Cal. So, yeah, I'm pretty much in lockstep with your with your orders, with Pete being one. And then I'm going with Kiff, too, at my second spot. Just a, like you said, an older, more mature Cliff or uh, sorry, Kiffin. Sorry, I'm getting them mixed up. Kiff <laughs> and Cliff. There's too much going on there. Shotgun. My brain can't handle it. Lane train, baby. Lane train. Uh, we have another question from not another question, but our next question from Johnny Morton. What's the problem with the cornerbacks? I guarantee that the fourth string quarterback for ASU will throw for over 200 yards and two touchdowns. I actually would kind of maybe make that bet shotgun. All right. Two touchdowns. I don't think he gets two touchdowns. This is an unofficial bet. I don't think he's getting two touchdown passes. I really don't think he's getting two touchdown passes. Uh, 200 yards, maybe garbage, all that. If they play, you know, trying to play catch up for three and a half quarters, whatever. Yeah, I don't think so. But what is the problem with the cornerbacks? That's a, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, part of it is that Damani Jackson is playing a ton, and Damani Jackson has basically not played in two full years. So, like, he's he's break, shaking off the rust. He hasn't played in college before outside of, what was it, 20-something snaps defensively last year, 30-something. So he's growing. He's learning. He's going to be better because of his mistakes that he's making right now. It's not like the the bigger concern is the touchdown right before halftime at San Jose State. Guys wide open. There's a miscommunication. That's much bigger concern to me than these 50-50 balls that have been caught on the outside where Demai Jackson, Sierra Wright are right there and they're catching them over them, or they're a little bit behind because they're playing press coverage. I'm much less concerned about that. That's cleaning up a little bit of technique and you know, just continuing to get better and better as the season goes on. So I, I think that's uh, it, one of the things. Um, you know, I, I think it's really interesting. I don't know if you know this, Chris, but I think Jacoby Covington has played like almost every snap in the second half throughout the season. So why are you not playing Damani Jackson in some of those times? Like last week or two weeks ago against Stanford, Jacoby Covington played, I think, every snap defensively in the second half. Why are you not giving those opportunities to Damani Jackson? Like I just said, he needs as many reps as he can get. So he played Damani Jackson in the second half against Stanford, played the first two drives, did not play the next four drives. Christian Roland Wallace, a fifth-year senior who has a ton of experience, who has all the experience you need, played, you know, he didn't play the first two snaps of the second half and then played every other snap the second half. I don't, that's something that I haven't yet figured out. Like, why are you playing Christian Roland Wallace? You know, if you're playing him at nickel and, hey, we want to get your reps here because you're not, you're not used to it. You know, we want to get you reps somewhere inside where you're learning calls and doing different things. Yeah, that makes more sense. And I understood him playing against Nevada after, you know, being suspended for the first half. But I was really confused against Stanford why they did not play Demi Jackson a little bit more, 
or even Sierra Wright. I mean, he's got a year of experience, but he can still continue to get better. So, you know, that was really strange to me. The third quarter, they basically split it up between those three. Um, you know, the first drive was Damani and Sierra Wright. Second drive was Damani and Christian Rolla Wallace. Third drive, Christian Rolla Wallace and Sierra. And then the fourth quarter, it was just Prophet Brown and Christian Rolla Wallace. So it was strange to me to see them decide that they were not going to use the youngest guy and get him more experience, even if it's in garbage time. Now, maybe there's concern about how many snaps Demonte Jackson plays on that injured knee. If that's a concern, that's not something that we've been told and would be a little bit surprising to me. Uh, but that that's something that is definitely interesting. And I think Christian Roland Wallace has played really good. He's made, given up some of those big catches on the outside too. He's very physical. I think he's going to be great when you're guarding tight ends. We've seen him do that. Um, he's a, he's, he's definitely a chess piece for him. They can move him around to different positions and do different things with him. So, you know, I'm not that concerned actually with the cornerbacks. It is the most concerning issue on the, on the defense. Um, but I still think that the Sierra Wright and Demonte Jackson are very talented. I, I know that Christian Roland Wallace can make a ton of plays. So I'm not as concerned necessarily with the cornerbacks as much as some other people are, because I feel like people on the P and people just in general, never understand that some you're going to give up some catches as a cornerback. Quarterbacks are going to throw the ball. You're going to give up some catches. Now, are you giving up big catches? Are you giving up touchdowns? That's much more of a concern, but you're going to give up some catches. Mark Mogul asks, can Grinch be an elite defensive coordinator with the right talent? I'll tell you what, Shotgun, I feel like we're going to find out that question this season because they have a lot of the right talent. Maybe not all the right talent, maybe, but they have enough talent to show if they can be in a, in a, a closer to an elite than further from elite under Alex Grinch. So I think we're going to find out a lot about that, this question uh, this season, obviously. Yeah. And I would, I, I want to say yes, because of what he did at, you know, say Washington state, but there is always a concern that the guy that really excels at the mid-major level or excels at the lower power five level just doesn't do it with you know his system really works with a certain type of athlete which is the undersized guy and this and that uh or you know he, he gets the you know the chip on the shoulder type of guys and that's who he really works well with and because he designs things up instead of letting guys play straightforward he's got more talent now so that means you you should let your guys play more straightforward because you should be able to just out athlete and out physical other teams and I think we've seen Alex Grinch actually making some of those adjustments against Stanford a little bit. Um, so, you know, that's something to see. Does he make some adjustments as the season progresses? Or is he, you know, some coaches believe they know everything is right and they are stuck in their ways and that's the way it is. And those are the coaches that end up getting burned. So that's something I think that we'll find out about Grinch as well is how many, how does he adjust the way he calls the game and stuff as the season progresses, knowing that you got Barry Alexander, who's a home wrecker up front, um, you know, knowing that you got depth of talent much more than so than you had last year. Next question comes from El Chicano. Does USC need to improve high school defensive recruiting to win a natty? I would say they definitely need to improve high school defensive recruiting, and that will bring them closer to winning a natty. I'm not going to say it's going to win them a natty, but if you can consistently bring in top blue chip defensive players, more guys like the Tackett Curtis battle that you won last year, last cycle. Damani Jackson, when you brought him in, you need to bring in 
blue chip caliber guys, specifically defensive linemen. You need to do better at recruiting blue chip defensive linemen. Obviously, you know you can recruit the portal, but you don't always know what's going to be in the portal, who's going to be in the portal. There might be a cycle where there's nothing in the portal. It might be very bare. So uh, doing well and recruiting and replacing your coffers at your defensive line and your defensive talent in general with young high school talent is something that you that you need to do to be able to get your close self closer to a national championship. So yes, I would say yes. The answer is no, Chris, because they could win the national title this year and their high school defensive recruiting hasn't been great. Now, do they need to improve their high school recruiting? Yes. But the answer to the question is no, because there's the possibility they win it this year. Um, and, and it was interesting. You said that the transfer portal could be bare because obviously they went and got the big bear from the transfer portal. They also got Keon Bars, they got Jack Sullivan. Um, but how many times is there going to be a Bear Alexander? Like Keon Bars and Jack Sullivan are solid pickups, and they would play a bunch for USC even without Bear Alexander. But Bear Alexander is a difference maker. I don't know that Keon Bars and Jack Sullivan are necessarily that yet. We haven't seen that. Jamil Muhammad may be a difference maker. We haven't seen that necessarily from Anthony Lucas yet. Now he's still got time to continue to get better and, and progress in his career. But, you know, when you go out and get these guys and you get older guys, they may be difference makers. They may be Earl Barquette. Like, you know, you can find guys that you think are going to be good, but, you know, they've they've got to actually go out there on the field and produce. And a lot of times guys are leaving the transfer portal because they are entering the transfer portal because they don't feel like they're getting enough playing time. What's the reason behind that? And that's the big question coaches are always asking, you know, Barry Alexander, left because he wasn't getting as much playing time. He was more of a third down asset for Georgia because they had more depth there, wanted to play all the time. That's what he said. Well, that yeah, he could be a difference maker. But a lot of guys that are looking for more playing time, it's because you know there's better guys than them at the other school. So are you taking somebody's leftovers or are you able to, you know, are you able to find gyms and you know top in guys, the Jordan Addisons, that's pretty rare. You know, you got and usually NIL is going to play a huge factor in that. And USC's not how many how many families is it now, Chris? Would you and Gerard? Is it six families now? Now we're it's the five families, but we're kind of breaching into those six, seven families. Oh, see, so even more families are getting involved. The, the families of the NIL, if you're if you're missing out here, if you're not uh active listeners to the two star composite podcast. But so if USC loses out on some of those battles because the NIL, then you know, now you're like, oh, we don't we don't we couldn't get that guy. And is that guy going in the portal? Yeah, Barry Alexander went in, but everyone thought that, you know, uh, Mason Smith was going to go in. Everyone, you know, there's very few true nose tackles or just defensive ends that really, you know, the Bosa brothers didn't go in the transfer portal. You know, those type of players, Chase Young, those, you know, those those guys that are top 10 picks, they don't usually go in the transfer portal, you know, if they're defense alignment. Schools make sure they keep those guys happy and keep because – Pressure up the middle in particular, but pressure changes everything on the defense. So that's what USC has to go get. Um, I just finished up Cameron Fountain's isolation highlights from seeing him last week. Those will be up on YouTube um, You know, by the time this is posted probably. But those are the type of guys. You go across the country, a top 50 prospect. He's a little raw, but he's going to be really good by the time his, his college career is over. Can USC hold on to him? He's their highest ranked high school defensive or highest ranked recruit in this class, the 2024 class. 
Can you hold on to him? He just went to Auburn for a visit. South Carolina was there to see him. You know, other schools are in the, you know, are swimming in the waters. The Sharks are swimming in the waters trying to poach him away. Can USC hold on to him? Those are the type of players you got to, you got to get committed and keep committed. And USC hasn't been able to do that, you know, really well under Lincoln Riley for whatever reason, whether it be NIL or other things. But those are the type of things they have to continue to progress on or else, you know, you're going to make, be make or break based on the portal and the portal's not going to be consistent every single year. Whereas high school recruiting, you pretty much know there's going to be about this many guys that are difference maker every single year. There's a reason why we do 35, 32, five, uh, five-star guys every year based on the NFL draft, but there's a pretty consistent number of, okay, these are difference makers. It fluctuates a little bit every, every cycle, but usually there's a set amount. Now, where are they in this, in the United States? That could be, you know, they could be in Minnesota, they could be in Georgia, they can be in Florida, Texas, wherever, um, you know. And if they're in California, can you start collecting some of those? Because USC has struggled to collect those high-end guys in the state of California for whatever reason the last couple cycles. Please have mercy on me. I haven't eaten dinner. I'm trying to get through this podcast. You just went on a Gerard-level rant for this well, question. I, just, I wanted so. you to feel at home here, Chris. It's I a don't. Recruiting I question. I'm literally in my home. I do not need to feel <laughs> home in this podcast. I have do three hour podcasts every week. I don't need this one to be in. So All right, sh- fine. So I said no up. to Shape begin with. USC Twitter asks, that's the actual name of them. How many of the <laughs> how many of USC's remaining opponents get a bye week immediately before playing the Trojans? Shotgun, you looked it up, so you get to answer. I think it's interesting that their handle is USC Twitter, and their at is USC Twitter, but they're spelled differently. Uh, the at has two eyes and only one T. I don't know. It's weird. Uh, but the answer is only Cal. California is the only one that has an actual buy before they play USC. Though Washington plays Stanford and US- UCLA plays ASU, so they kind of have buys. You have a what is what is it called? A fake buy. We'll call it a fake buy. Uh, whatever. Uh, Anthony LA asks, what game are you most looking forward to this weekend? Non-Pac-12. For me, it's going to be Ohio State in Notre Dame. I feel like we're going to learn a lot about Notre Dame. Super simple. I don't know why. I don't know what other. I know there's a bunch of good games. I think the other one that would be on there would be a Pac-12 game would be Colorado and Oregon um, and UCLA and Utah. I mean, but. The answer is simply Notre Dame and Ohio State because you want to see what Notre Dame has. Uh, Just Joan asks, what effect do you think this crazy media hype regarding Colorado has on the rest of the Pac-12? I think it's positive. Yeah, yeah, I think it is positive. As annoying as it may be to USC fans seeing uh, primetime and Colorado get all this this media love and all that, it's just going to mean more eyeballs for the Pac-12 in the conference, especially when Oregon, or excuse me, Colorado, plays any team. That USC-Colorado game, even if Colorado, you know, takes a beatdown against Oregon, is going to be happening, Shotgun. Yeah, and it, it's better if, you know, I, I don't think they'll beat Oregon, um, you know, especially with Travis Hunter out, you know, he's the, he's the talisman, he's the difference maker. But if they can keep it close, then that keeps the intrigue against USC going, which is is a positive, I think, for the Pac-12. Um, but the Pac-12 is just super deep this year. And the fact that Colorado went from no one's even talking about them besides them saying this might be one of the worst football teams I've ever seen 
to now suddenly they're in the conversation as well. Uh, you know, that just adds to it, I think. And I, I think the Pac-12 is so deep this year. It's 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 so ironic that, hey, maybe if Deion Sanders was here a year prior, does the Pac-12 get a deal done? You know, a TV deal done? Who knows? Like, there's so many what-ifs that could have gone on along the way. But I, I think it's a positive for the rest of the Pac-12 because now you're just getting more eyeballs and everything else. The only negative is recruiting-wise. Because you're recruiting against Colorado for a lot of a lot of kids, so uh, you know recruiting wise, they're getting a lot more hype than you're getting. But if you beat them, then you can say, "Hey, look, they're all hype. We're more substance, whatever." Um, and you can do all your negative recruiting and stuff. Then twenty one Stevie says, "So thoughts on Corey Foreman still not making a splash or getting much playing time? It's safe to say that ship has sailed. Him potentially transferring going to hurt us on West Coast recruiting." I would say. I'm trying to I'm trying to put this like nicely because we get a lot of this question and I've gotten this question for the last like two years. I would say not that the ship has sailed, but I think you should be focusing on other things than kind of worrying about Corey Foreman. Corey Foreman is on the team. I would not be shocked if he transferred after this season. I don't know what's going to happen with him. It's the number one overall prospect. He's not performed like the number one overall prospect. There are a lot of reasons for this but does it hurt west coast recruiting if he transfers i think in the short term but also if he goes to somewhere else like i don't know washington or colorado or oklahoma wherever he goes and he still doesn't you know produce like a number one overall pick or a number one overall prospect i think that will show that it's like okay maybe it just wasn't connecting wherever he went it didn't matter yeah, and he's got all the skills. Sense. Yeah, he's got the skills. I, I think it would if he does transfer, it will hurt USC and West Coast recruiting just because he's a guy. He's a guy that a lot of kids look up to. You know, uh, you know him being the number one overall. People knew who Corey Foreman's name is, and that this class, the next class, those guys. So, you know, they maybe they've forgotten about Corey Foreman the last couple of years, but they see him transfer, they're like, "Whoa, what happened to him? I remember him." Blah 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 blah. So, yeah, I think it would hurt USC in that regard. I, I still think it's in there. I think it's in there. I'm a believer. Oh, it's uh, in there. It's definitely in there. Yeah. Because I mean, the flashes, but... you see them. You saw him, you know, when he comes in against Stanford. You see the flashes. He's got to make it connect, though. You know, it's, it's where he practices the way the coaches want so that he earns that playing time. And then when he gets in there, he's been so close many times. But, you know, to be able to get in there and, you know, make an impact consistently, that's the that's the next step for him. He's he's shown he can make an impact. The interception against UCLA, the couple of sacks he had early in his career. Um, but can you consistently do that? And that's the thing. Um, he's got some pressures against Stanford when he got some time. Now can you earn more playing time on the practice field? And then when you get some playing time, can you make the most of it? So I still think it's in there. So I'm not saying the ship has sailed. Now, has it sailed with USC? That's a different question. That's the one I can't really answer at this moment. But it, we're going to see how it plays out. And we'll see if, hey, if someone gets banged up, does Corey Foreman, the guy that ends up stepping up? You never know what can end up happening and how the cards may fall as it continues to go on. We know the competition in that room, and it does not matter if you were a two-star in high school or the number one overall prospect. If you're not doing it on the practice field, you're not going to play. So get on the field. And for all we know, you know, he can come out and have a four-sack game against uh, Arizona State this weekend in the second half or something. And I hope he does. I hope he gets something like that to just get the confidence going and, and you know, actually 
I think a lot of it is confidence. You just want to get out there and you take a quarterback down, get that being so close, as you mentioned all the time, go out there and to make that play and then just, just get it rolling and see what happens. So yeah, I'm hoping he can get a lot more playing time in this game as well on the road and maybe make something happen. Yeah. And Chris sacks could be a prevalent occurrence this uh, week. We'll see uh, depending on who the quarterback is and how quickly they're getting the ball out. Drew Pine did a pretty good job last year at Notre Dame of not taking sacks. So, um, you know, depending on if he plays versus the other quarterbacks, but I could even see a sack for senior sack. Is senior sack going to oh. make an appearance? Do you think he could get a sack Wanna this week? get on there? Yeah, maybe. With maybe. all those we'll Arizona we'll State injuries to the offensive line? We'll see. You know, I, I got the get off enough. I can get on some <laughs> some third string tackles. You know, some scout guys are on scout team. I, I, I can make an appearance, maybe get, get, uh, get on the tally. Get on the get on the stat sheet. You know, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Shaka, that ends our USC questions. Uh, I did last week. I had a theme of movie questions. This week, I wanted food, which was a bad idea because I was just hungry when I uh, made that tweet. <laughs> so this is going to be rough as I try to get through this uh, section of food questions. But we have a lot of food questions to tackle. Are you ready? Go for it. We're we're this is gonna replace take it or leave it, right? This is what what I was told. Yeah, we don't. Have, I need things to happen to do take it or leave it. I can't just all be right. well. The food the so food I, portion is gonna take our take it or leave it curious. section. So all right. Uh, Danny says, "How adventurous are you when it comes to eating? Would you at least try something once? Eyebrows, brains, eyebrows, tongue. eyeballs. Oh, excuse me, eyeballs. I I told you I'm losing it, shotgun. <laughs> I'm losing it here. I'm deteriorating." eyebrows eyeballs brains tongue i'm i'm pretty good about trying things you know i've had rocky mountain oysters which is just uh bull testicles if you will uh i've eaten crickets i love uh i've eaten snails before uh the membrane stuff kind of weird because you know you can get uh you know certain kind of sickness uh when you eat like membrane food like brain or eyebrows but i had i have had lengua tacos the tongue so yeah i i like to try new things I, I would try everything once i would try a little brain a little eyeball maybe a little eyebrow um i try things but i'm actually a pretty picky eater um mm-hmm. even though i will try different things i have no problem with that any meats i will pretty much try you know when i was in south africa i tried every meat that i could find different one I, my recommendation if you ever go anywhere that has any antelope on the menu order that order the antelope whether it be kudu, impala, springbok, you know, whatever. What a, what a wild sentence. Any it's menu cool. that has antelope, get it. Get Shotgun it. certified, get, get it. it. Okay, I'll, I'll keep that in the back of my mind when I try uh, uh, antelope someday. Uh, yeah. But shotgun, eyeballs, brains, tongue, you have to eat one. What are you eating? I mean, I, I would go with tongue just because I've eat, I, I ate it often. So, um I would try brains, eyeballs. I don't know about that one. That one's a, that one might be. You'd just be like an oyster. Just be like an oyster. Just I don't like see. I don't eat down. seafood, so I don't. Mm-hmm. I've tried a seafood bunch of seafood, help. but I don't like seafood. So, okay, okay. I've yeah. It, if you can do seafood, you can probably have a more a a palate that you're willing to try different things because seafood seafood's kind of funky. Seafood's kind of funky. I will say that. Uh, Antonio Villa says. In your time covering USC, which set of Pac-12 schools had the best food? Washington schools, Oregon schools, Bay Area schools, LA schools, Arizona schools, or the Mountain schools? 
Um, uh, can Wait, we eliminate? I... We eliminate in LA, right? We're not counting. Okay, that. we could just we, we we're not counting that because we know that's um, the real answer. There's so many options in LA. There's so much good food that we are we know all about that. Um, I've never been to Oregon, and I don't really remember what the Oregon foods. Oh, it was a it was a meal ticket, and you went and got it. So that was kind of lame. Oh, so Oregon never, State we, last year, yeah. The, yeah that I've never even both get. been to Oregon. Well, yeah, I didn't yeah, even get we, the fit move the food there. Now, is this just about? I need any clarification. Are we talking about just food in general in like the cities, or are we talking about in the stadium and press box food? I was I was interpreting it as press box food. That was kind of okay. What I was doing. Okay. If that's the case, then I think I would go with the mountain schools. Colorado okay. had a really good spread, barbecue and whatnot. And Utah's was fine. Um, but I think that Colorado kind of stands on its own. If we're talking about in general, I think I'd probably go, I like the Arizona foods. So the Welcome Diner in, in Phoenix is one of my spots I love going to. If we have a meetup on Friday, I'm hoping we can push it to be there, even though it probably won't be. It's a little bit outside the area of Tempe, Scottsdale, where everyone will be at. But um, and then Tucson, I've gone down there plenty of times. Um, I'm, no, I'm blanking on the name. The sandwich shop that they have down there is really good. Um, and smooth, uh, not smoothies, but like frozen drinks. Yeah, EG's. EG's is really good. Got to get that in Tucson. They also have really good, uh, you know, Mexican food everywhere down there. So I'm a big fan. I like how you, I like how you clarified if it was press box food and then you name things that weren't press box food. Well, I started with the press box food. I answered that one first. <laughs> Doesn't I remember Washington having good press box food and they actually had hot dogs at intermission at the end. I haven't covered a game at Washington since the first game I covered you know, covering USC in 2009. So oh, I've, been to, school. I've been to at least one game since then, but uh, the last two occurrences, the Adoree Jackson game and when USC lost up there three years ago, four years ago, I, you know, both times I was not in attendance. Wedding. And I would something say the, else. I would agree with the mountain schools. I think Washington has good food, if I remember. And then, yeah, Welcome Diner is good, even though we're talking about press box food. But yes, Washington State, you also got Cougar Gold. Seattle's got good never, good food uh, city scene too. So that's not a bad choice either. But I would go with the Arizona's. I'd ask bone in or buff boneless wings and what flavor I'm a bone in guy. So I need, I need that bone. Don't clip that. Uh, <laughs> I prefer bone bone in wings though. I do not have a problem with boneless wings. Like some do. I like saucy sure, chicken sure. nuggets. Yeah. Um, I got it. I got especially it. like I'll go to Buffalo wild wings after yeah, covering a game. And I will often get boneless wings because I can use a fork and eat those while I still do work. What flavor? I'm a classic like buffalo, buffalo wing sauce kind of guy. I like a good hot flavor, um, but I do like a nice like honey garlic or a sweet chili garlic kind of deal or teriyaki. So those are kind of my go to. But above all, I love a good bu- uh, buffalo. I'm a I like mango habanero a lot. You know, spice with a little bit of sweet. But I'm also I'm I'm whatever is the second to the hottest thing they have on the menu. Usually second I, to the hottest. Yeah, usually I order two flavors of whatever whenever I get wings, and I want a lo- one that's spicy with a you know a little bit of sweetness, and then I want whatever the second to the hottest one is. The penultimate. Penultimate. Uh, Joe Gee says best thing to eat after an SE victory 
it's usually very late, so we don't really eat yeah. much. It's it's usually like scraps of uh, media meals and then maybe fast food if we're lucky. Yeah, Taco Bell or Subway, whatever is open nearby. If there's a taco truck, that'd be amazing, but it's not yeah. often the case. It kind of depends on the time of the game. You know, but those late games, like, yeah, we're not getting anything good. Chris and I being on the on the field, a lot of times the media meals go pretty quick, so we are starving after games as well. I always steal an extra one to save for later. That's that's my pro tip for any uh, journalists. Oh, so that's why I never get a meal. No, you do that too. Oh, Shotgun would steal media meals at the end for USC when we were allowed to cover the walkway. That was his like thing. Don't don't let him. No, don't let him not, me. No, you're talking about stealing the media meals, the box meals that is for the media. That's why I don't get them because you have stolen one. But I also that's I try to true. I try to eat food at the tailgates and stuff too to make sure that I. Get some food in he case I don't before, like. You eat before at the tailgate, Chaka. You could very easily just grab a media meal and just put it in your bag for later. Well, I don't. I get I get encapsulated in covering the game, Chris. I'm talking to people. I'm losing your voice. I'm losing losing your my voice. voice like last time. Uh, broke homie Matt. What's your taco truck order? Red or green salsa? Green salsa for me. And it's usually a bunch of carne asada tacos. Maybe a lengua taco, or if I'm really hungry, a carne asada burrito. Gotta have it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a straight tacos almost always. Occasionally, I'll mix in a burrito, um, but it's usually al pastor. It's the best as long as there's not onions actually in it. Uh, that's the thing. I don't eat onions. I told you I'm a picky eater. But then I also usually do a couple of asada, a couple of lengua as well. I'm usually a six to eight taco guy if i'm going to the truck and i'm red salsa as long as it's not pico de gallo nobody wants pico de gallo get that crap pico out of here. De gallo. give me, give me real salsa gallo. not pico de gallo look you put the cilantro shout out uh onions and then a little salsa yeah i could do the red but i prefer the green no, i'm not scared no of the onions. red and yeah. I'm, I'm, I know, I'm i know i'm good with some radishes too and a little bit of lime yeah. juice well, yeah, he he knows. He's an official cilantro boy. Uh, he's he's got his card. I gave him his card. Uh, Anthony LA. Another question is: White Castle the in and out of the DMV, Chris? I'm going to say no because one, I've never had White Castle. Maybe Shotgun has had White Castle. Now that he's out there in the mm-hmm. Jersey area. But my roommate, who is from like the New York area, he would always get like those microwavable like frozen White Castle burgers. I feel like maybe I had one, but I've never had it like fresh, like out of the order. I've always wanted to try it, but I've never gotten the little White Castle burger. So I cannot say that it is the in and out and because it's not in Maryland. I don't think I've ever seen a White Castle in Maryland. There might be like one and it might be like upper Maryland, but no, it is definitely not the in and out of the DMV. I don't know that I've had White Castle uh, or not. Um, in the South, we have Crystal, same type of thing. The small square burgers like White Castle has. And usually they were just the entire burger was grease, so I was not a fan. Um, Chris, though, so the real question is: What is the DMV regional delicacy that you have to have whenever you go home? I mean, like a crab? Is, we're talking like well, well, crabs what are do you, you're like? Oh, I'm going home. I'm definitely having this. Whether it's fast food, whether it's you know, uh, you know, an actual you know, blue crabs or whatever. Like I go to the, I go to Georgia. I usually have to get Zaxby's. Right, right. And we make a joke about this all the time. But yeah, well, it depends on the season, because obviously if I go home in the summer, I have to get crabs. But if we're talking like just overall, 
I have to go to Wawa. I have to get a Wawa sub. I love a good Wawa sub. <laughs> God damn it, I miss it right now, and I'm so hungry. I still but haven't yes, figured this out. I don't. I think I've had a Wawa sub, but I didn't find the allure that you're doing you. it wrong. Go get go get you a Wawa sub. You're not making it right, Shaka. You're not making it right. Sorry, right, I'm go sorry. get a Wawa sub, and then you get like a half a soft pretzel. You can get a half soft pretzel, <laughs> and then get some of their Wawa lemonade. Just just don't even think about it. just just go and do it. I bonded with Eric Gentry over the fact that they ain't got Wawa out here, man. They got they don't know how they don't know how to do it, man. They don't know how to do it, so it's got to be Wawa. Got to be Wawa. Royal Farms, which is another similar also gas great. station. Uh, fresh never frozen chicken. Yeah, their chicken. They have a on Texas toast a chicken tender sandwich, uh, which I throw some bacon and cheese on. That's really good. That's my go-to when I'm in the middle of the night driving and there's nothing. Yeah. I can't find anything open. I'm like, oh, there's Royal Farms. I get some chicken. Um, but also the delicacy here in the southern New Jersey area, Chris, is a thing called a Panzerati. Have you ever heard of one? Uh, it sounds a little familiar, but I, if you ask me to tell you what it is, I would have no clue. It's my description of it is, is basically a deep fried giant hot pocket and it's amazing. Calzone. No, deep is fried. Is that not a calzone? Hot pocket. No, it's not, a calzone. not a calzone. Okay. No. Okay. It's not the same. Uh, it's like a different shape and short. crust. Yeah. It's and it's actually like deep fried. Okay. Cause I feel like a calzone is just baked. Uh, both. I hopefully when we go out to Rutgers, we can uh, get some. Oh, good call! Good call. We'll let Chris, we'll let Chris uh, lead the way to the Wawa sandwiches, and then we'll get some. There's Panzeratis. one in College Park. There's one right up the street from College Park. I know exactly where we're going. We'll do a meetup at a Wawa. <laughs> we'll do a, a Wawa takeover. Uh, second, the penultimate, penultimate, pen. Say it, Chuck. Penultimate, penultimate question comes from Just Joan. Have you ever had one of those bacon hot dogs from the vendors outside of the Kali? And was it good? I'm going to tell you right now, Joan, my friends took me to have my first LA street dog outside of like a, a concert or something. Cause they're always outside of concerts or like mm-hmm. sporting events in LA. And they're so amazing. Look, yep. I, I fully guarantee they take in like, they take two weeks off of your life for <laughs> one you eat, but they're so good, especially after like, Going out, like drinking, or being at a concert, you're walking back the long walk. You just got to get one. And the prices have gone up since I first got here, which is a little sad, but they're so good. They're so good. And fun fact I only buy from Abuelitas. I only buy from women uh, hot dog vendors because they remind me of my Abuelita and they make the best ones. So I only go to the Abuelitas. That's my, that's my pro tip. Nice. Uh, yeah, danger dogs, as some people call them, delicious. Absolutely amazing. Uh, love them. Unfortunately, the vendors are gone by the time we get outside of the Coliseum. So, If you're a vendor and you listen to this, if you could just like save five or six outside of the, the thing, meet us by the parking lot, we will buy them. We will buy them and we will scarf them down. I swear to, I swear to goodness. Yeah, they're gone by the time we leave. But I I had had them outside of the Coliseum before games, so yeah, definitely. Uh, have Have you had had a New York dog before? Yes, hot like a hot dog water, hot dog. Yeah, New York City. Yeah, dirty water, dirty water hot dog. Yeah. So don't love they do not compare to um, L.A. Street dogs. I just want to say that because I had one after the Heisman ceremony last year in New York City. Very New York of you. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, but LA Street Dog's better. Just more mm-hmm. flavor. But I, I do like a good, as I know, I'm Glizzy McGuire. So uh, our final question comes from our friend Michael Castillo. 
And it's what's your favorite can of soup? Can of soup? Like, can of soup? Why are we eating out of a can here? I don't know. I don't know what it would. We eat a lot of we eat a lot of soups in this household. My roommate makes a lot of soups, so you know we have some very delicious ones. I don't soups. Know why, yeah, I don't know why we're eating out of a can. Uh, I'm a big uh, progressive chicken noodle soup guy. The one with the little twisty, the little <laughs> twisty noodles in it, and the little perfect cubes of chicken. Those that's my go-to. The progresso uh, chicken, not the low sodium crap. I want all the sodium. Give me all the sodium. Um, I in college I used to eat Chunky's steak and potato. I think it was, but also yeah. they have Brian for some Westbrook. reason they throw in mushrooms, and I had to pick those out. I'm like, why are we throwing in this? I wanted steak and potato. It didn't say steak, potato, and mushroom. Don't give me this false advertisement on the front of the can. Oh, shotgun's getting heated. We have to we'll move out of this. No mushrooms. No mushrooms. Uh, shotgun. That does it for all our questions. Southwest chili bean soup, though. Is one of my favorite and uh, baked potato soup, phenomenal. And one more food reference from just ending it all because I'm so hungry. Shotgun, let's get out of here on a high note. Send me your score prediction so we can get out of here for Arizona State week. Oh, my score prediction last time didn't come true because oh, but it was getting there. It was getting there. Yeah, I said for a seventy burger against Stanford. A little disappointed that it happened. I thought I was going to get there. Um, I don't know, Chris. What do you got? I let me think about it for a second here. I'm going bold. I'm going fifty-six nothing. Ooh, fifty-six. They're so decimated. I just think it's just going to be a a, a freaking shutout. I, I'm going to give them a touchdown. Okay, At least that's goal. fair. I'll give them two field goals. I'll say USC bucks up. Uh, you know, Stanford had some field goal opportunities. Nevada had some field goal opportunities. Defense you know, gave up some yards, but then would, you know, stiffen and force field goal opportunities. So I'm going to go 42 to 6. 42 to 6. That That's fair. Well, that's so, like, that's, and I'm still covering the spread. Oh, I didn't even realize that. There you go. There you go. Yeah, the spread keeps moving. I feel like it's 32 or 33 right now. So I'm, I'm definitely going to pick them to cover for. For a little preview for our, our, our picks at the end of the week. So, Shotgun, I, I don't really want to ask you if you have anything else to say because I know you will you will say something that will cause us to be here for another 10 minutes. But uh, but since I'm a good host, do you have anything <laughs> left to say? And if you if I feel like a rant is coming, I'm just going to walk off and you're going to end the you're going to end it. Chris, I'm looking forward to seeing you this weekend. Always fun yep. to to be with the fellow Helium boy. Um, we keep an eye out for everyone listening for tweets or on the P about a potential meetup on Friday evening. Um, we hope to see you guys out in the desert. If we don't meet up on Friday, then we hope to see you guys tailgating beforehand. We'll stop by. We ain't got nothing else to do on Saturday besides watching college football and watch USC go and beat up on Arizona State in the desert. Should be a fun game. For USC, not so much for Arizona State. And other than that, Chris, if people see us, if we do have a meetup or we do see people at tailgate or at the game, shout us out. We love seeing you guys. We love hearing about you uh, or hearing from you. And take a picture this time with, with Chris or I. That's how I remember people's names. So take a picture with us and post it on social media, tag us, and then I will be able to remember you that much better the next time we see you in the future. 
Thank you guys so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Make sure you hit the like, subscribe, follow, do all those things as well. I'm Chris, that's Shotgun. This has been the Helium Boys, a serious, non-serious UFC podcast, and we will catch you next time. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.